This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. You know, it's always fun to discover how a show is conceived. Tonight, we'll hear the story of the origin of that masked man and his Indian friend Tonto. The Lone Ranger rides again on Theater of the Mind. horse with the speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty Hyo Silver, the Lone Ranger. This is the legend of a man who buried his identity to dedicate his life to the service of humanity and country. It is the story of the origin of the Lone Ranger. Early settlers in the West had to be brave men and women, ready to fight for their lives at any moment. There was danger on every side. There were wild beasts, savage Indians, and the Cavendish Gang. Butch Cavendish headed a pack of outlaws. They struck without warning to steal and kill. Open fire on that wagon train! Wipe them out to their last man! The Cavendish gang attacked ranches and towns as well as wagon trains. Everyone feared Butch Cavendish. His gang grew rich and powerful. Finally, the Texas Rangers learned where Butch Cavendish and his gang were hiding. Six Texas Rangers guided their horses along a canyon floor to arrest the Cavendish gang. Presently, Captain Reed signaled a halt. Right in, boys. Oh, 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 yeah. We'll wait here until a scout returns. Do you think it was a good idea to send Collins, our guide, on ahead? It was Captain Reed's younger brother who asked the question. The captain explained that Collins, who was not a Texas Ranger, was the only man who knew the country and who could scout ahead for information. Then, while the Texas Rangers waited for the guide's return, the captain said to his younger brother, My wife and son are coming from the east. If something happens to me, and you survive, well, I know you'll take care of her and Danny. Right. I'm going to count on you to resign from the Rangers and work that silver mine we staked out. See that my son and his mother get my share. I promise. Here comes Collins, the scout. Oh, 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 uh, what's the word, Collins? Good news, Captain Reed. It's all clear. I scouted the rim on both sides of the canyon and found no sign of the cabin in his outfit. All right, boys, let's go. Get, get up, up there. Collins, the guide, lagged behind unnoticed by the Texas Rangers, who moved in single file along the floor of the rock-strewn canyon. They didn't know that Collins had lied. 
that Butch Cavendish and his killers were waiting in ambush on the rim on both sides of the gap. Here come those rangers, boys, just as Collins told us. Yeah, yeah. Now, we can't get down to the floor of the canyon without going a long way back, and it'll be dark in half an hour. So we'll just keep pouring lead into them from up here until we're sure they're dead. Then we won't be taking any chances. Now open fire! The rangers leap from their saddles and spread out as they return the fire from both sides of the canyon. Soon, four of the rangers were killed. Captain Dan Reed and his brother, wounded several times, kept fighting side by side. Then the captain fell mortally wounded, and a moment later, his younger brother, the last of the rangers, slumped to the ground. The outlaws waited and watched for any sign of life from the rangers, then rode away, convinced that all six men in Bryant's Gap were dead. Sunset came, then darkness. examined the bodies by moonlight. After examining the first five men, he muttered softly, oh, them dead. Then he came to the sixth man, the younger brother of the captain. And this man lies. The Indian lifted this man tenderly in his strong arms and carried him to a nearby cave where he bathed and dressed the wounds. Then he took a spade from one side of the cave and returned to the canyon, where he worked steadily until the dead men had been buried. Returning to the cavern, he sat watching through the remaining hours of the night. Daybreak found the ranger stronger, but by nightfall, the wounds had become infected. The Indian called on all his knowledge to treat the wounded man. He went day and night without rest. the morning of the fourth day when the ranger opened his eyes and for the first time the Indian saw them clear and calm. Are you awake? Me glad. Yes, I... but so weak. You wounded man. I... I remember an ambush. Isn't that right? Me find you in canyon. Carry you here to cave. It... it's daylight. It morning. Then I... I must have been unconscious all night. It's several days since fight in canyon. Several days. Ah. There, there's something familiar about you. You? You remember? Many years ago, you only boy. You find Indian boy in trouble. You save life, Indian boy. Yes. Your name is Tonto. That right. Years ago, you called me... Kimosabe. That right. And you still Kimosabe. It means faithful friend. Tonto, there were six of us in that canyon. The others. What about the other rangers? Other ranger. All dead. Dead. Uh. One was my brother. You only ranger left. You Lone Ranger. The Lone Ranger. Toto, those kids.
killers know me by sight. If they know one man escaped, they'll look for him. And them not know one escape. Taunter bury five men, make six grave. Crook think you die with others. Good. Then my name shall be forever buried with my brother and my friends. From now on, my face must be concealed. A disguise, perhaps, or a mask. That's it, a mask. I'm the only one who knows about the Cavendish gang. With your help, Tonto, I'll get every one of those crooks. In the ranger's eyes, there was a light that must have burned in the eyes of knights in armor. A light that through the ages lifted the souls of strong men who fought for justice, for God. I'll be the Lone Ranger. and Tottle were trailing the worst outlaw in the West. His name was Butch Cavendish. They had followed his trail for many weeks until finally they noticed that the hoof prints of the outlaw's horse were fresh. We're close to Cavendish now. Yes, Tonto. He can't be far ahead. Him outrun us last time. Maybe better we shoot in sight. No, I want to take him alive. I... That shot. Look out. Steady there, steady boy. Over there. Killer in ambush, him right way. Tonto, he missed me, but he shot my horse. Get after him. Get him up, Tonto. Tonto's horse was tired and no match in speed for the animal Cavendish rode. The outlaw escaped. When Tonto returned from the futile chase, oh, fella. Oh, he found the lone ranger standing beside his dead horse. A good horse, Tonto. Loyal, faithful, and brave. But my next horse must be faster. I wish that... Tonto... We've heard stories of a wild horse, a fiery white stallion. Ah, him seen near Valley over there, where Cavendish go. We'll be on the lookout for the wild horse while we follow Cavendish. Toto's horse carried the Lone Ranger's saddle, his saddlebags and bridle, while the masked man and the Indian continued on foot along the outlaw's trail. When they reached the top of a hill... Look, Toto. Ah. They halted suddenly and stared at an awe-inspiring sight far down in the valley. They saw a great white stallion in a death fight with a giant buffalo. The horse was plunging, rearing, charging, and dodging wildly. And the sun flashed from his coat as from a coat of polished silver. They realized that this was the legendary white stallion, the one ranchers and hunters had talked so much about. Toto, we must have that horse. I'll try to shoot the buffalo. Get too far for pistol shot. I'll get closer before it's too late. As he ran downhill, the Lone Ranger watched the battle. The sleek white stallion was nimble and courageous, but his strength began to wane. The buffalo charged again and again. The splendid muscles of the white horse were slower in responding. Then, too slow, he was caught by the buffalo's charge. Wet crimson stained his pure white coat. Another charge. The white horse saw it coming, and he couldn't dodge. He staggered and fell. The monster drew back and lowered his head for the death charge. And then, two shots rang out. The buffalo shuddered from the impact of the masked man's bullets. For an instant, he stood motionless, then fell. Cruelly 
battered and bruised, the white stallion lay quietly as the Lone Ranger bathed his wounds. During the next several days, the masked man and the Indian cared for the injured horse. Then the wounds were closed and the horse's strength had returned. There was once more fire in his eye, a spring in his step, and his head was lifted proudly. Toto, he's himself again. Ah, him plenty strong. Plenty good horse. I wonder if he'll take a saddle. Let's try. Steady there. Steady, boy. Me get rope. Him run away. No, Toto, wait. Let him go. I'd like to have that horse more than anything in the world. But he deserves his freedom. He fought for it. Him stop. He's turned to look at us. See how the sun reflects from his white coat. Ah. Him look like Silver. Silver. That would be a name for him. Silver! Look at him. Silver! Hey, Silver! Toto, he's coming back. It's just as if he knew what I said. Silver! Silver, you beauty. Hand me the halter, Toto. Uh. As the mighty stallion felt the halter, he trembled as if from a chill. Every instinct told him that he must flee at once to preserve his freedom. And yet he stood his ground. It wasn't gratitude that kept him there. It was something stronger, some mysterious bond of friendship and understanding. He heard the man's voice, and he liked it. Silver. Silver. We're going to be partners. Him let you use halter. Now, Toto, the saddle. Oh, no horse like that. Take saddle. There never was a horse like this. Now, Silver... We're going to work together. The horse was wild and unused to the ways of men and the weight of a saddle and a rider. But the masked man was a kind teacher. He was gentle yet firm, and Silver was intelligent. The stallion seemed to sense the desires of the Lone Ranger and did his best to cooperate. He learned quickly, and after several days of training, he was ready. Follow me, Toto. I'm going after Cavendish. Come on, Silver! No hoofs had ever beat the plains like those thundering hoofs of the great horse Silver. During the past few days, Cavendish had gotten far away, but the masked man and Toto trailed him relentlessly with only a minimum of rest. It took days to cut down the outlaw's lead, but at long last, Cavendish came into view. There he is. Come on, Silver! The mighty stallion responded with a new burst of speed. Cavendish fired wild shots over his shoulder until his gun was empty. His horse, though powerful and fast, was no match for the charging silver. Fear and panic filled the outlaw's face. He heard the hoofbeats ever nearer. And the masked man shout, I want you, Cavendish! The masked man's avowed mission was accomplished. The last of the Cavendish gang was captured to be tried by law and punished for his crimes. But there were many others whose criminal plans were to be challenged by the Lone Ranger, his faithful Indian companion, Toto, and his great horse, Silver. I am Silver! This is the legend of Dan Reed, the story of how the Lone Ranger found his only living relative. of prairie schooners moved westward through a valley. Among the pioneers were families with all their worldly goods and men on horseback who planned to seek their fortune in the new frontier. 
Also, there were several women who had joined the wagon train to meet their husbands, who had previously gone west to make new homes. Suddenly, a blood-chilling cry rang out from the hills. Indians! Brilliantly painted Indians charged from the hills on both sides of the valley. Form a circle with the wagons! Get to the floor of the wagon, honey, and hold the baby close. Heavily outnumbered by the Indians, the pioneers knew they had no hope, but they were determined to fight to the last man. It was the following morning when the Lone Ranger and Tonto came upon the scene of the massacre. They drew rein and examined the grim remains of wagons that had been looted, then burned, and the bodies of brave pioneers who had died in their attempt to conquer the West. No survivors, Tonto. Ah, it looked like work of Apache. This must have been the wagon train that was heading for Fort Laramie. While Tonto watched, the masked man made a detailed inspection of the ashes of wagons and their contents. Presently, he found a small square piece of metal, a nameplate from a trunk. He wiped it on his sleeve, then read it. Toto, remember how the Cavendish gang ambushed my brother and the other Texas Rangers in Brian's Gap? Uh, Mino, you ambushed too. I think my brother had an idea that something might happen to him. Just before we rode into the Gap, he called me aside and said, I want to speak to you brother to brother. My wife and son are coming from the east. Something happens to me and you survive. Well, I know you'll take care of her and Danny. I promised him I would. Then he said... I'm going to count on you to resign from the Rangers and work that silver mine we staked out. See that my son and his mother get my share. I made arrangements for an old man named Jim to work the silver mine and got enough ore to keep me supplied with silver bullets and what cash I need. Ah, me know. We were to wait until my brother's wife arrived from the east to decide what she wanted done with her share of the silver mine. But now I... Oh, me sorry, Kimasabi. Yes, Toto. Linda and the baby boy were on this wagon train. Maybe woman, baby captured. Maybe them alive. It's a faint hope, Toto. Nevertheless, I shan't be convinced that they're dead. We'll always be on the lookout for some clue that Dan Reed and his mother are alive. In the meantime, we must help make the West a place where massacres like this can't happen. After reporting the massacre of the wagon train to Fort Laramie, the Lone Ranger visited his secret silver mine for a fresh supply of silver bullets. Then, with Toto at his side, the masked man turned the blinding light of justice on criminals throughout the West. He was a mysterious figure identified only by his mask, the great white horse named Silver, and a ringing cry. Are you Silver? He was the Lone Ranger. Though 13 years went by, the Lone Ranger was ever alert for proof that his brother's wife and son were dead, or, if living, a clue that might lead him to their side. Then his adventures took him to the high border country in the Northwest, where he fought men who sought to rob an old lady called Grandma Frisbee and her adopted grandson, a boy in his early teens whose name was Dan. The outlaws were conquered, but the fight had been a great strain on Grandma Frisbee's aging heart. 
The masked man and Dan were with her in the small, neat bedroom. I... I'm tired. Try to get some sleep, Mrs. Frisbee. No, I... I want to be sure Dan will be all right. I... I want you to take care of Dan. I'll take care of him as if he were my son. You... You ought to know about his past... He's not really my grandson. No, I'm not. But Grandma Frisbee, I Let always... Let me talk. There's a small box under the bed. Hand it to me. I'll get it. Grandma Frisbee held the box in her thin, blue-veined hands while she told of coming west in a wagon train. That was over ten years ago. There was a fine lady traveling with the party, and she had a baby boy. The dying woman told about the Indian attack. I crept away from the scene of the massacre and took the baby with me. I came up here near the border and raised Dan as my grandson. Here's a little gold locket that he wore around his neck. There, there are pictures inside. The Lone Ranger opened the locket and looked at the faces of the man and woman as Dan spoke. I, I wonder who my parents were. I know them. This man, your father, was my brother. Your brother? He was a captain of the Texas Rangers and one of the bravest men in the country. Your mother was a fine lady from Virginia. Her name was Linda. I called the baby Dan because it's the name that's on the locket. But I never knew the last name. Dan's last name is Reed, the same as mine. Gosh! I've been looking for you, Dan, for many years, ever since your father died. From now on, if you're willing, we'll travel together. Oh, I'd like that. Oh, I, I'm glad. Would, would you do just one thing for me before I... I sleep. Would you take off that mask and show me your face? Why, of course. Oh, it's a good face. Yes, a good face. Dan, your grandma was a fine woman. It's too bad she had to go. She was certainly good to me. She and your father left you a great heritage. A heritage? Yes. They and others like them have handed down to you the right to worship as you choose and the right to work and profit from your enterprise. They have given you a land where there is true freedom, true equality of opportunity, a nation that is governed by the people, by laws that are best for the greatest number. Your duty, Dan, is to preserve that heritage and strengthen it. That is the heritage and duty of every American. with the speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty Hyo Silver, the Lone Ranger. This is the story that tells how Toto once saved the Lone Ranger. The 
and Tonto were riding westward across desolate country. They were looking at the tracks of a wagon train when suddenly a thin young man stepped from behind a big boulder. He held a rifle to his shoulder and shouted, Rain in or I'll shoot! Oh, 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 That's it. Now get off those horses and don't try to reach for a gun. The Lone Ranger and Tonto dismounted slowly. Easy, steady, big fellow. Easy. Then the masked man dropped his hand with lightning speed and fired from the hip. His bullet smashed the rifle and sent it flying from the young man's hands. Now raise your hands. Search him, Tonto. If he has any other weapons. I haven't. I should have known better than to try to hold up a masked outlaw. I'm not an outlaw, and you don't look like one. I'm not. I held you up because I hoped to find food in your saddlebags. What's your name? Wingate. Dave Wingate. What are you doing alone in country like this? I was with a wagon train. It passed here. Why did you leave the train? I was driven away. Why? I didn't do anything wrong. I was framed by Cap Sanders. Cap Sanders? He was hired as wagon master. Every night he posted guards to watch for dangerous redskins. Sioux Indian dangerous, but Crow Indian friendly. One of our best friends is chief of the Crow Indians who live north of here. Dave, I want to hear how you were framed, but first we'll prepare a meal. Oh, I'm near starved. During the meal, Dave told about being on guard duty during a dark night when he saw two men sneaking beyond the circle of wagons. So I followed them. They met a third man, and I got close enough to hear their voices. One was Cap Sanders, and another the guide he'd hired. We called him Dakota Dick. The man they met was an Indian. Could you hear what was said? I was there only a minute, and then I sneezed. Cap Sanders and Dakota Dick rushed at me, grabbed me, and disarmed me. They were raving mad. Well, what about the Indian? He disappeared. Dakota Dick wanted to shoot me. But Sanders said that'd be hard to explain. He said he had a better way of getting rid of me. They took me to camp, roused the men, and accused me of sleeping on guard duty. I wonder why they wanted to get rid of you. I don't know. Unless they thought I overheard something they wanted kept secret. Did you? No. The Indian jabbered something I couldn't understand. And Sanders told him to mosey along. Mosey along? Yes. He said, mosey along, you engine. Walk on. It sounded odd. That's why I remembered it. Oh, Maybe him talk Sioux Indian language. Maybe him say, mosey on, you Indian, walk on. That's it. Sanders told the Indian to make an attack at a landmark known as Medicine Rock. Medicine Rock? The wagons are supposed to reach there tonight. And Sanders is working with Sioux Indians to attack the pioneers. They must be warned. I'll try to overtake the wagons. Me go with you? No, Toto, I'll make better time alone. You stay with Dave. Easy, steady, big fella. Monsilver! Late afternoon, when the Lone Ranger overtook the train of covered wagons, he drew abreast of the first one in the line. Easy, Silver, easy. And shouted to the driver. Frisbee! Are you Jim Frisbee? Yes, I... Your mask! No time to explain the mask now. There may be an ambush ahead. Stop the wagons while I tell you about it. Stop the wagons! The wagons were halted at the foot of a long hill. Jim Frisbee and men from other wagons listened while the Lone Ranger told about the possible ambush at Medicine Rock in the valley ahead. It's just beyond that hill. You're within a couple of miles of the place. Two of our men rode ahead. If there's any sign of trouble, it'll come back and lead us over a different route. 
Otherwise, we'll go on as we planned. Are Cap Sanders and Dakota Dick the men who went ahead? Oh, yes. Frisbee, if my information is correct, they're helping the Indians plan the ambush. Right. Why would they do that? For money. If you people are massacred, they'll be able to take your cash and let the Indians have your horses and supplies. They're not crooks. I'm sure they are. I'd say you're the crook. What's your game? Yeah, what's what? The Lone Ranger realized when he heard the angry comments that he could never persuade the men to follow him over a different trail that would lead safely past the dangerous valley. Where'd you get your information? Nothing I might say would convince you that I've told the hey, truth. Hey, look! The top of the hill! Engines! They're show engines! They're on the warpath! They're coming this way! Now you must fight. I'll help you. Form a circle! Two ah, men! As the Indians rode down the long hill, the Lone Ranger helped the pioneers quickly move the wagons into a tight circle. Then the gunfire started. The savages, who greatly outnumbered the pioneers, circled around the wagons, firing from the backs of their horses. The Lone Ranger fought at the side of Jim Frisbee. The first attack was driven off. The Indians withdrew to the hilltop. The Lone Ranger watched them through binoculars, then said, Frisbee, look through these glasses. You see Cap Sanders and Dakota Dick talking to the Indians. They're double-crossers. You were right about them. They double-crossed you, and they lied about Dave Wingate falling asleep at his post. How'd you know about Wingate? I met him on the trail. During the lull in battle, the Lone Ranger told how he had met Dave Wingate and learned of the attack. Then the Indians near the hilltop, out of gun range, showed signs of activity. They're starting another attack. We've used more than half our ammunition. Get set, boys. We'll go down fighting. Here they come. Every man inside the circle of wagons knew that the end was near. Make every shot count. The Indians knew it, too. They felt that victory was in their grasp when suddenly new war cries sounded from the north. Look over there. More engines coming. Those are friendly Indians. They're members of a Crow tribe. You mean they're on our side? Yes. Tuttle's riding beside the chief. And there's Dave Wingate. Boys, we're saved. Never mind sparing the ammunition. Let them have it. Tuttle and his friends changed the tide of battle quickly. Many Indians went down. The others tried to flee, but they were hotly pursued by the Crows. And it was easy to see that none would escape. That night, in the light of campfires, Jim Frisbee told the pioneers how Dave Wingate had been unfairly punished. And man, I say every one of us owes his life to Dave. That's That's right, right, Jim. I didn't do anything. We owe our lives to Tonto and the Lone Ranger. Stay tuned for Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Edgar Bergen and his little pal Charlie McCarthy as they both welcome special guest June Allison in the show that was first aired in 
Sunday night and time again for Edgar Bergen with Charlie McCarthy. With Mortimer Sturd and Ray Noble in his orchestra and the Mellow Man brought to you each week by the Coca-Cola Company. Tonight's special guest is the lovely lady of the screen, Miss June Allison. And now, Edgar Bergen with Charlie McCarthy. Yes, I, I know, I know, honey, but I gotta hang up now, my kumquat. Yes. Well, they've announced me. Charlie, get off that telephone. Yeah. Did you get your allowance, babe? Oh, good. Now you can take me out tonight. Really, Charlie? So long, my tangerine. I'll be squeezing you. Charlie, I just couldn't help overhearing your conversation. Why? Was the extension phone caught in your ear? No, no. I can't believe that you talk to a girl that way. Who is she? Well, let's just say she's a good skate what pays the freight. Oh, I see. <laughs> I can't understand this younger generation. Why, when I was growing up, everybody was a gentleman. You mean there weren't any women at all? Oh. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, we acted like gentlemen. Oh. Apparently, you don't know what a gentleman is. Oh, sure. A gentleman is a wolf with patience. All right. <laughs> Next Next time you see this girl of yours Yes Why don't you try Try talking about music and art And uh, why don't you quote poetry Oh, no, no No, I tell you, Bergen Girls don't take that kind of punishment today Oh, they don't (laughs) Well, you just try it and see what she does I know what she'll do She'll conk me on the head With her baseball bat Yeah her baseball bat? Yeah, sure. She's homicide Ida. Oh, she is? Yes. She's the catcher on our baseball team. Oh, some girl. You can say it. Yes. Strong as an ox. Yeah. And twice as pretty. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, times have changed. Yeah. Charlie, I want to remind you that June Allison is coming by to see us, and I wish... For me, I wish you'd remember your party manners. Did you see June Allison? Yes. <gasps> all right. Now, there is my big moment. Yes. You know, she's just as cute as a button. Yes. How I'd like to get my button hooks on her. All right. <laughs> I want you to think of yourself as a gallant knight and conduct yourself as uh, one of King Arthur's men. Now, those were wonderful days. Were you happy then, Bergen? Oh, right. I wasn't born then. Oh, oh, look, I see June Allison headed this way. Oh, my heart is turning a handspring. Here we are, Junie. Hello, Edgar. Hello, Charlie. Oh. Junie, it's it's good to see you. Yeah, we were just talking about romance and chivalry, you know. Uh, uh, tell me, uh, do you feel uh, do you feel uh, spoony, Junie? <laughs> that I do, Goonie. <laughs> all right, all right, June. I was telling Charlie if he would conduct himself as a knight of King Arthur's time, he would be the most popular boy at school. You are absolutely right, Edgar. I'm sure everyone would think that... Think, think that I was nuts. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Hmm? It would not fit in with our times. 
But I would have adored living in those days with all the knights in their shining armor. Well, what was so great about that? Well, it would have been so much fun shopping for hand goods. Why? Well, in those days, even the men were put up in tins. Oh. Jude. You're ashamed, aren't you now? I told you not to say Soon I remember seeing you in the MGM picture. Hey, what was the name of that MGM picture? Men put up in tins. No, no, no. That one will live to haunt you. All right. Oh, I know, that picture of words and music, you know, where you did a very clever little scene. It was two knights in armor, and you sang uh, Thou Swell or something. Yes, that's right. It was about a knight making love to his lady pair. Yeah. yeah, with a modern touch. Yeah, I remember. I remember that. I, I, I know how the song goes. It goes, uh, "Thou swell." No, 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 no Charlie. It goes like this. You're interrupting me. <laughs> thou swell, thou witty, thou sweet, thou grand, which kiss me pretty, which hold my hand, but thine eyes are kissing. What they do to me? I'd feel so rich in a hutch for two, two rooms and kitchen, I'm sure, would do, give me just a plot of, not a lot of land, and thou swell, thou witty, thou grand. Thou swell, thou witty, thou sweet, thou grand, which kiss me pretty, would hold my hand. Both thine eyes are cute too, what they do to me. Hear me holler, I choose a sweet holler, if I lose her, can be. You're my sweet son of a loser, I feel so rich in the tiny little bronzer's hut for two. Two rooms and kitchen, I'm sure. Not a lot of land And I swear I'll win the How do you like my voice, Charlie? Well, I think it's very... Yeah, well, so do I I've been told that I have the range of Lily Puns And the vivacity of Mary Martin do you think so? Well, I... Well, I don't think so either. Uh, no. Do you know, you know, you've got me kind of interested in that King Arthur stuff. You know? Say, I have an idea, Charlie. Yeah. The museum has a wonderful display in their armor room. Let's go and see it. Now, that is a splendid idea. Now, you two go ahead and I'll meet you at the museum. find yourself these days? Well, most of the days I just don't bother to. I... <laughs> I'm, I'm on my way to the museum with Charlie. Well? Yes. Listen. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Have you ever been there? Uh, where? To the museum. Oh, 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way it goes. Yeah. Well, how did you like it? The what? The museum. Oh, the museum. Well, I reckon it'll be all right when they get all that junk cleaned out of there. <laughs> what did you enjoy most at the museum? The sliding down the long banister out front. <laughs> All right, all right. I mean, what did you get from your visit? Splinters, splinters. I... Well, now, you might get something more out of it if you come along with us. Uh, you know, I understand the museum is adding a new wing. Well, that won't do much good. Why? They'll never get it off the ground. Oh. Why don't you come with us and go through the museum again? No, no, no. I ain't never going there no more. No, no, no. Oh, yes, you will. Oh, no, I don't think I will. <laughs> wild, wild horseradishes couldn't drag me. Exactly. What's wrong with the museum? Oh, it's too dangerous. Last time I was there, I seen a fellow that was hurt so bad that they had him bandaged from his head clear down to... <laughs> from his head down to, uh... Oh, you know, down to those, uh... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> From his head down to... Oh, what is the name of those things that live in shoes? Oh. Feet? Yeah, yeah, that's close enough. I guess. <laughs> well, what about it? Well, this poor fellow looked like he was blindfolded all over. Is that so? Yeah. Well, now, wait a minute, Mortimer. Just where did you see this bandaged-up man? Well, he was leaning against the wall in the... in the gypsy section. You mean... In the Egyptian section? Well, that's what I said, wasn't it? All right. I talked to him, but uh, his mind, you know, is a little wandering, I see. I tried to get his mind off his injuries, but he was kind of closed mouth. He didn't say much? No, he didn't say much at all. No, didn't say much at all. Conversation sort of drug, a drug. Yeah. Well, Mortimer, you were talking to a mummy. I was? Yes, yes. Well, I just wanted to help him. I know, I know. But I'm afraid you were too late to help him. About 4,000 years too late. Well, I got there as soon as I could. <laughs> Mortimer, I'm trying to tell you that that bandaged man, that bandaged man is completely ossified. Well, can you blame him for taking a nip like that? <laughs> taking a nip? Yeah. To sort of blunt the pain? Blunt the pain, yeah. <laughs> Well, he was in no pain because he was dead. Now, let me explain about mummies. After they were prepared and wrapped, they were put in a tomb, and lots of food was buried with them. Yeah? Yes. Well, now, you know, I, I reckon it ain't so bad being dead if you still got your appetite. <laughs> well, it was merely a custom. Now, do you feel that, that you know a little more about that bandaged man? Oh, sure. I know him real well now. We'll have lots to talk about as soon as he can have visitors. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How can you be so stupid? Well, who cares as long as it gets results? I don't know. <laughs>
Yeah, well, now there's June waiting on the steps of the museum, but no sign of Charlie. Well, I might have known he'd be late. Uh, here I am, June. Have you, have you been here long? No, I just got here, Edgar. Oh, did you have any trouble finding the museum? No, they, they, they. Just got through with him, June. I think Charlie went in ahead of us. Well, why did he go in ahead? Well, the doorman said a little boy asked him where he could find the statue of Lady Godiva. That's, that's Charlie. That's my boy. <laughs> well, let's go in and find him. Now, I wonder which way it is to the armor room. Oh, Fran. Oh. Francis. Uh, uh, hello. Uh, I'm Ursula Kling, Fran. Uh, your, simmer, simmer down. Uh, I'm your, your friendly uh, museum guy. Oh, how do you do? How do you do? Thank you. How do you do? How do you do? Uh, my motto, please, my motto is uh, tour it with a smile if the tip is worthwhile. <laughs> interested in the armor the knights used to wear. Could you show us through that room? Well, I could, but heavens to Elizabeth, it's way over on the other side. So? So, uh, would you rather stay here and kind of look at our exhibit of old bone? No, I don't. Well, they're just chock full of interest and calcium. <laughs> Why don't you take us to the armor room? Well, mainly because my feet hurt. No, bad just... feet, what? Bad feet? No, not, I've got good feet. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I forgot to bring my corn plasters today, though I don't know why. I usually keep some on hand. Oh, on hand? <laughs> on hand, I Well, not exactly on hand either, but I usually keep them on my feet. <laughs> We're only interested in the armor. Well, please, won't you please look at my bones instead, Fran? Uh, see those uh, the huge uh, prehistoric ones over there? Yeah. Looky, looky. Uh, one bone is over 15 feet long. An explorer dug it up. My goodness. Think of the size of the prehistoric dog that buried it. <laughs> You're awful cute. I just knew that you folks would enjoy my lecture on bones once I got my teeth into it. Are you an authority on such things? Authority? Am I an authority? For heaven's sake, I'll have you know that I've got brains. I'm not just a pretty face. That's... <laughs> that is very true. Uh, very true. Yes. What you said about prehistoric times was very interesting. Do you know much about the lost races? Do I know? Oh, my... Last season, I didn't win a single race at Santa Anita. <laughs> Is there any chance that you might condescend to show us the armor room? No, 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 no. Don't be in such a hurly-burly, curly. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be just, just happy, very happy to take you there if you'll carry me piggyback. Fine guys, you are too weak to walk. But no. if you think I'm a weakling just because my feet hurt, you're sadly mistaken. All right, so I made a mistake. Yes, you made a mistake, and not only that, but you pulled a terrible, if you'll pardon the expression, bloomer. Oh, is it? I'm sure you're very strong, but we did come here to see the armor. Well, why must you always rush and hurry around and make everybody nervous? You can go right across the hall to the American Indian room and, and see Standing Bull. Isn't that Sitting Bull? No, the floors over there are so cold. <laughs> We'll find the armor room ourselves. All right, go on. I didn't like your attitude in the first place. You just got me in such a snit anyway that if I was not 100% American, I'd be seeing red. Go on, go on. Goodbye, aye, aye. Let's see now. Oh, there, there's the armor room right across the corridor, June. Oh, yes. And Charlie's waiting for us. Hello, June. Oh, I always knew you were beautiful, but standing next to Bergen, you're, you're positively gorgeous. Well, thank you, Charlie. And you too, Edgar. Yeah. <laughs> Just look at this medieval display. Yes, isn't that an impressive armor, that suit there? Oh, it's wonderful material. Sort of a galvanized gabardine. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how they had their suits pressed in those days. Yeah, I bet the laundries tore their bolts off the shirts. <laughs> 
Well, according to the legend of King Arthur, the noble knights performed many feats of daring do for their ladies fair. And from all over Britain, they came to Camelot to earn their seat with the round. <laughs> His Majesty, King Arthur. Greetings, brave knights. Take thy seats at the round table. <laughs> Sir Lancelot, methinks thou dost look handsome in thy new suit of armor. Thanks, Your Majesty. I have with a new tailor, Sir Henry of Ford. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. I, I've heard his slogan, Watch the Pants Go By. <laughs> Uh, my suit looketh a bit rusty, but thinks it needs a lube job. Yeah. Tonight I shall go out and get oiled. <laughs> really, thou must mend thy ways. It looketh bad for a knight at the round table to spend all his nights at the pool table. No. Oh. <laughs> I said it was a jest, methinks. Thou <laughs> certainly do it. What is this? Oh, not here. Huck, Huck. Yeah. What cometh near, my good Merlin? Sire. A group of strolling players approaches. Oh, uh, that is to say, Owen. How now, good players? What cook it? Hello, gentlemen. I hope you blokes are in the mood for some rhymes and music. Blimey, I really hope so. Sounds, thou art a comely tomato. <laughs> what hast thou in yon basket? Coconuts, your highness. They're part of the game. Special they are, and only a penny a pitch. Would you like to hear more about it, gentlemen? I tell us more, me love. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. coconuts. There they are, standing in a row. Big one, small one, some as big as your head. Give them a twist to flicker the wrist, that's what a showman said. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. coconuts. Everyone you throw will make your rich. There stands me wife, the idol of me life, a sing and roll a bell, a ball, a penny a pitch. Sing and roll a bowl a ball, a penny a pit. A roll a bowl a. Sing roll a bowl a ball, a penny a pit. A roll a bowl a bowl a. Roll a bowl a ball, a roll a bowl a ball. Sing and roll a bowl a ball, a penny a pit. Why don't you roll a bowl a roll a bowl a ball? Roll a bowl a roll a bowl a ball. A penny a pitch, a penny a pitch, a penny a roll a ball. Roll a bowl a ball. My good man, how much do you require for one coconut? One copper, lady. One sixth of a tenner. Oh, how terribly, terribly vulgar. Penny a shy, penny a shy. What about you, dearie? Well, can me little boy have a free throw? Free throw? Knock it, knock it. No free throws around here. Here, young'un, where's your penny? I swallowed it. Well, you all be more careful, ain't you? Never heard of land lease? I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. There they are, standing in the row. Big one, small one, some as big as your head. Give them a twist to flicker the wrist, that's what a showman said. Oh, I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Everyone you throw will make your 
Everybody's home makes me nuts, 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 nuts. Me husband's over there. The order of the fair. Sing and roll a bowl of bull of any a bitch. A bitch, a bitch. Sing and roll a bowl of bull of any a bitch. Sing and roll a bowl of bull of any a bitch. Roll a bowl of bull. Roll a bowl of bull. Sing and roll a bowl of bull of any a bitch. Splendid, splendid. Uh, here, I mean here, my last. Here is a gold coin for thee. Nay, nay, Your Majesty. Tis not gold I seek, but aid from your noble knights. Well, buckle my doublet and rivet me breeches. <laughs> Yon ragged wench talks like a lady. I am Princess June. My sister May has been held prisoner since last February by the Black Knight, Sir August. <gasps> Looks like Sir August stole a march on us. <laughs> he thinks I sound like Sir Milton of Burl. <laughs> It was to escape it from the clutches of the Black Knight that I disguised myself in this cheap $500 copy of an Adrian dress. <laughs> well, Cerity, thou art a lovely vision withal. I, Sir Lancelot, bow low before thee. Oh, methinks I bowed a little too low. You should be careful, Lancelot. You've dented your pants a lot. Yeah. <laughs> My princess, I shall go forth and rescue thy sister from the cowardly black knight. Wait. Before thou takest thy leave, thou must consult the royal wizard. Merlin. Merlin. What sayest thou? Perform thy magic. Oh, yes, your majesty. Uh, Take us our card from this deck. Any card. Tell us we not what it is. No, No, Merlin, no. Lookest thou into the future that we may know the perils that await Sir Lancelot. Abracadabra. Hocus, hocus. Presto, change your metro. Now get to the the trick. (laughs) Sir Lancelot, I see you and the princess coming to a wide river. Hocus, pocus. I see a river too deep to ford, too perilous to swim. And you have no boats. Then how do we get across? You use the bridge. Now you meet a giant and tilt with him in the darkness. That's impossible. When I tilt, I always light up. (laughs) Come, my princess. We will saddle my noble steed and hire us hence. Good. We will need it an early start because hence is 20 miles away. This ride getteth uncomfortable. Methinks our steeds grow weary. Thou art so right, princess. I will trade them in for fresh ones. Where it? Oh, there it, the madman Merlin's used horse lot. <laughs> Merlin? I thought if he was a magician. Aye, uh, he was, but things had been rougheth on magicians since Vaudeville died. <laughs> Welcome, Sir Lancelot and Damsel Fair. May I help with thee? Forsooth, 
we want is a horse. For eating or for riding? <laughs> Pursuit. <laughs> Odds bodikins, I have just the thing for thee. This horse over here is practically brand new. He has very low mileage. Oh, <laughs> oh he's not bad, Sir Lancelot. Look at those white sidewall feet. Mm. <laughs> well, he was owned by an old lady in Pasadena. <laughs> She just used him to go shopping. <laughs> he was up with on blocks for six months. Is he is he four gated? No, four legged, one in each corner. <laughs> Verily, he is a bargain and can be financed through the Bank of Camelot. And pay a twelve percent interest? Nay, Violet, I will give us the cash. What about accessories? Teeth are extra, you know. <laughs> He needeth not teeth. All he eats is hay, and he can gum that. Yes. <laughs> Here is the money, madman. Come, princess. We must get to the black knight and headeth for the blackout. <laughs> we are nearing the castle where my sister is imprisoned. Look! Here cometh the black knight. Loose thy lance and lance lunge. Fear, fear not, my beloved. I shall cut through his armor with ease. For on the end of my lance I have a can opener. <laughs> on guard, varlet, cometh to joust with thee, I do. Oh, splendid Sir Lancelot. You have unseated the black knight. <laughs> and now pull back his visor and look upon his evil face. <laughs> Who is it? Greetings, Pam. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, in the future, friends, uh, will you please knock before you come in? How, <laughs> villain, what hast thou to say before I cut it off thy head? Goodbye, aye, aye. <laughs> Lancelot, my darling. Now that thou hast conquered the black knight, uh -huh. I will love thee forevermore. Put thy armor around me. Oh, my fair one, nothing but nothing can cometh between us. Don't be too sure about that. Huh? Art a messenger from Camelot? No, Miss Allison, I'm a messenger from your movie lot. You got a six o'clock call in the morning. Oh, no. Good night, princess. Good night, night. <laughs> Uh, just a word of thanks to June Allison for appearing with us tonight. I guess next week will be the cowboy king of radio and television. Hop along, Cassidy. Good night, everybody. June Allison appeared by arrangement with Hector Golden Mayer, producers of Adam's Rib, starring Spencer Quincy, Catherine Hepburn, and June Holiday. To Bill Baldwin speaking for the famous Pasadena Playhouse. This is TBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Saint, followed by The Jack Benny Show. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor.
Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.